Hello, and welcome to the Missionary Disciple Podcast by Catholic Christian Outreach. The aim of this podcast is to inspire, equip, and challenge you, our listener, to be an active and effective evangelist. If you have any questions about evangelization, please email us at podcast at cco.ca, and we'll answer them in a future episode. All right, let's dive in. Welcome to the Missionary Disciple Podcast where we talk about things missionary and discipleshipy, you know. It really is, this podcast is a conversation about things about, you know, how to activate mission and evangelization in our parish and in our communities on our campuses. Um, we're going to be uh, continuing the discussion we had last week. Uh, we talked about um, missionary culture, how important that is. And we're joined by, again, by Amber and Dennis. Welcome back. Uh, to the conversation. Thanks, Andrea. Uh, you know, um, this week we're going to be talking. Last week we talked about you know what is missionary culture. Ultimately, it boiled down to this encounter with Jesus Christ, um, a conversion, and a personal relationship with Him. Uh, this week we're going to talk about how you how you develop that culture. Um, maybe we'll start, Dennis. You uh, describe kind of culture as stuff you reward and celebrate. Talk a little bit more about that. Yeah, so I, I was saying that uh, our culture can be made up of what we celebrate, what we reward, and what we permit or what we tolerate. Uh, and really looking into that, seeing that those are the things that when you look at it overall will make up what fuels our culture. And so the question that we were asking about was, do we have a culture of con of conversion happening in a missionary culture in our parishes? Okay. So maybe, Amber, you could talk a little bit about, you know, and we're not trying to be critical here. We're just uh, being... Just being honest. Uh, uh, being honest. <laughs> what, what in a typical parish is being celebrated, rewarded, and tolerated? I think about the typical parish... And when you are doing a, a review of an event, something that happened at the parish, a parish mission, the first question that most parishes are going to ask is, how many people came? We celebrate mm -hmm. attendance. Yeah. <laughs> we celebrate engagement in the most, if, if there's pews in the seats, if there's people at the event, that's what matters most. It's not, it's not about Mm -hmm. what impact those events or those activities are having on the lives. It's just about bums in seats. Yeah. yeah. I would think, you know, you think of how we celebrate how the Christmas season went or the tritium went, mm -hmm. and we, we base it on Numbers. how many people. I mean, yeah. we just packed chairs all over on the roof, you know, down, <laughs> the, down the street, and we say, look yeah. it, there's life here. Yeah. But yeah. nothing really changed in the yeah. life. And I think if you were to look at the typical parish budget – you would also be able to see like what is most important, mm -hmm. right? Most parishes in Canada would All probably spend more money on snow removal than they would on bringing people to an encounter with Jesus, mm -hmm. if we're honest. Whoa. We shouldn't be talking like this, Amber. This is, this is <laughs> raw. Um, so, yeah, yeah. snow removal should be replaced by conversion. Is that what you're suggesting? And we'll get into that. <laughs> Um, so what else? What else would we see in a parish that would be rewarded? You can jump in here, Dennis, mm -hmm. um, or celebrated. Um, what would be maybe probably rewarded or celebrated would be how many baptis baptisms we sure. had. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, we we measure we measure the numbers of yeah. confirmations, first communions, yeah. 
baptisms, marriages, um, funerals, like those are, those are sacramentally, we, we measure how many of those happen in a year. Mm-hmm. I know in a lot of, in a lot of dioceses, they do a parish census where they will count attendance on a weekend. That's something that's measured year after year. They're, they're gauging to see the mm-hmm. growth or the decline in attendance. Yeah. Yeah. And so, collections. Yeah. Collections is another one. Yeah, yeah, the ratio of attendance to collections and how are we doing, what is thriving based off of people giving more money. How many registered families do we have? How many of those registered families are contributing weekly in the collection? So it really, okay, this is really important. It really boils down to numbers. Yeah. How many people are showing up Mm -hmm. um, to the youth group or to baptismal prep or Sunday liturgies? Mm -hmm. Uh, So that would be a measure of success and we'd celebrate that. Um, which is not a bad thing, by the way, having. Um, but that's not culture. That's yeah. that that doesn't build culture. It's I, not measuring spiritual growth in the lives of these people either. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So w- what we're doing is we're we're just celebrating um, numbers. And so what we're saying to have a missionary culture, um, what we need to be doing is celebrating. Uh, you know, people's encounter with Jesus Christ, yes. conversion, transformed life, metanoia, and then really celebrating and bringing to the to the forefront is this personal, dynamic relationship with Jesus Christ, the mm-hmm. Father, the Holy Spirit, the communion of saints. I mean, mm-hmm. it's all about encounter relationship um, mm-hmm. and sharing and, that with yeah, others. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, so the present reality is it's about numbers. How many people show up? Um, and which is a good thing, but missionary culture is much more uh, um, real, relevant, and transformative to the you know the life of the parish when we start talking about you know this encounter, this relationship, uh, this conversion. So let's talk about how we do that. So okay, we all agree that it shouldn't be about numbers; it should be about celebrating and. Measuring and rewarding mm-hmm. um, conversion, relationship, God in our lives. How do we do that? How do we begin? Do we just have a bring Billy Graham in or his <laughs> son or some great evangelist? and they Like would, Andre Runyon? Yeah. Like Andre. I heard yes, of that guy. Um, <laughs> for a great price. Um, no, um, <laughs> uh, yeah. So what do we do? Do we start by bringing in a great evangelist and, and, and bring all the parishioners – convert them all, and then now we have a missionary culture? What do we do? It starts, I think, one person at a time. It starts not with the masses, but really having a heart for the individual. Just like Jesus talks about leaving the 99 sheep to go after the one, our heart as we're beginning a missionary culture has to all be about reaching that person, that individual soul, so that they can encounter him and know him, and then let that spread and grow that and foster it. So this is exact opposite to what we've been talking about, is that yeah. let's count the 99 yeah. But you're saying, no, let's make the focus on the one. So in, yeah. in, in reality, we got that backwards, that, that beautiful um, <laughs> parable in Luke's gospel, you know, of the, the 99, mm-hmm. Jesus left them behind. In a way, the focus, missionary culture should be, the focus is not on the community, but it's on the one. Whoa, that, that is a shift. Mm-hmm. Would, you, would you say that? I, I, that would be hard for people to handle or really wrap their mind around. But what we're suggesting is actually the 99 are not the most important. Mm-hmm. It's a one. 
Yeah. And that's right. empowering, right? Because when we think about how can I change the culture of this massive parish where there's hundreds of registered families, or how can I change the culture in our society is paralyzing because it's too big for me to do by myself. But when you're able to realize that actually what it comes down to is changing that individual person's life, being able to introduce them to Jesus, that's something that that is possible and it's something that is actually, uh, it brings life to us and it's able to happen more readily than we probably even believe. So this might be how it kind of plays out, okay? You know, the, the, the old model would be we had 100 children baptized, okay? And we did a really good job preparing them for baptism, okay? Mm-hmm. We measure that and we say, okay, that was successful baptismal prep program, okay? What we're saying is that it's not about the 100 people. I mean, it's good to be 100 people, but what's most important is when the parent stands up at Mass or sometime and gives a testimony of how her life was transformed by going through baptismal prep and she um, discovered the very first time that baptism is really entering into you know, into the very life of Christ and, and, and the church. And it was like being born again, meaning mm-hmm. it was a transformation mm-hmm. is really happening. And her life was moved and her relationship with God was changed. And she's telling everyone. So now we're celebrating not the hundred that were baptized, but the one yeah. that had mm-hmm. been found in that baptism. Absolutely. Program. But in order for that to happen, we need to really revisit the way that we approach our programming. Yeah. Right. In order for something like that example to happen, we have to shift away from our typical catechetical mindset towards an evangelistic mindset. Well, to... okay, you're, you're challenging <laughs> the process here. First, you said it's not about the community; it's about the loss. That's the main focus. And now you're saying it's not about the catechetical process, the catechesis yeah. of um, of baptismal prep, but it's about the evangelical thrust of the baptismal prep program. Mm-hmm. Whoa, there are some changes that have to be made. Big Tell time. me a little bit more about what you mean by that. I think in a lot of our programming, whether it's baptismal prep or RCIA, we have a tendency to focus on church teaching. And we're presuming that people are coming into that environment with we, we're making those assumptions that we talked about last week. We're making assumptions that people have already come to that personal encounter with Jesus when that is likely not the case. So we need to actually kind the of— The fact that they never show up after they have their children baptized exactly. is an indicator yeah. that maybe— Or even you look at the numbers of people who, you know, two years after going through the RCA process are no longer practicing— why is that? These are adults who have gone through the process and have chosen to enter the church. So why within two years are so many of them falling away? Mm-hmm. It's because they haven't encountered Jesus. So we, we really need to make sure that in our parish programming, in our, in our baptismal preps, in our marriage preps, in our RCIA, in everything that we're doing, that the message of the gospel is being proclaimed clearly and simply so that people have that opportunity to hear the gospel, but not just to hear it, but that they're invited to respond. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, would you say that would, you know, focusing in on clear and simple one person at a time, in your experience, is that that kind of manifesting itself at a parish level? Is it possible for that to happen? Absolutely it is. And And it's something that I think is intimidating to start, especially for those of us who maybe have been around the parish culture for a long time because it is such a shift. I can can remember having conversations with people who have given so much of themselves to the church for so many years. But when we're talking about journeying with somebody, it's really hard for them to take because they're like, 
well, what about all the programs I ran? Mm-hmm. What about all these things I did? And, and seeing that actually, yeah, that was beautiful. And we're so grateful that they did that. But what we're inviting them into is something even greater, which mm-hmm. is the journey in someone's heart to Christ. Yeah. And it, it is possible. And it spreads like wildfire when you begin. Yeah. How, how much life would that bring to the parish if people that went through the baptismal program or, you know, went through um, marriage preparation they weren't. They were on the periphery. They weren't practicing, or wherever they were, they weren't part of the community. And after going through the program, that their hearts were changed, and they stand up and tell the whole parish mm-hmm. what had happened. Do you think that would not bring life to that parish? Absolutely. Yeah. The testimony yeah. of the people that were in, it's inspiring. Yeah. That yes. encountered Jesus in a very personal way through the life of the parish mm-hmm. is simply going to transform. I mean, it'll just stir up more and more culture, more Absolutely. and more people be bought into, brought into this idea that, boy, a missionary culture in a parish mm-hmm. can really even change my yeah. relationship with God. Yeah. Even for those who have been sitting in the pews for many years and maybe have never experienced that personal encounter, hearing that testimony awakens this this longing and this desire, this this question of, okay, if that happened for them, what does that mean for me? Can I, could I know Jesus the way that they know Jesus? Mm-hmm. And hearing those testimonies inspires not just those who are on the peripheries, but also those who maybe have, mm-hmm. have been in the pews for many years that are are dead in their faith or are lukewarm yeah. to inspire them to a greater intimacy and mm-hmm. a greater Absolutely. zeal. It reminds me when Amber and I were actually down in Oklahoma for a period, we had a priest standing up in front of a room of other priests and he was he was sharing a testimony of what it was like seeing our discipleship series, the faith studies used in his parish. And he was jokingly lamenting. He was like, my greatest problem now is they just want to go and evangelize everywhere. Like they want to, they want to bring groceries to people's home with St. Vincent de Paul, but they want to share Jesus with them when they're there. They want to start jail ministries. He's like, my biggest challenge is I have to try and rein them in sometimes and, and keep them centered on trying to build this ministry outward too. But it really just spoke to the fact that when you have these encounters and when it's being celebrated and shown, it spreads and it, it, it goes into all different facets yeah, of the life of the culture. church. Yeah. It builds a missionary culture. outward culture. Exactly. So what we're, what we're saying is, okay. Um, these very provocative statements we're making is that it's not about the community. It's about the lost. At least that's the way Jesus mm-hmm. yeah. invited us to yeah. think. And, uh, you know, he's important in this. Um, but then we uh, to do that, we actually have to make sure that the gospel, Jesus, is proclaimed in a way that will – it's not so much catechesis, but it's it's evangelical message yeah. uh, that that has to be the primary um, – but now, okay, we got this message. Um, you know, what do we do now? Like we, we have this message in it. Um, say if we want to start now, mm-hmm. do we just say, okay, here's a message, everybody, you know, and uh, start doing this in uh, all the different um, ministries that we have? Or what do we have to do? Do we have to? What did Jesus do, right? Yeah. Like did he start by going into the biggest synagogue he could find and just start preaching to everybody? No, like actually he went and he invited he invited the few to come with him and he journeyed with those people. And so we would see the same thing when we're talking to parishes and helping them to be able to see how they can begin this process of actually journeying with people through this. We always say, start small. In fact, like you don't have to be ashamed if what you're starting with is, is two, three leaders, but know that it's not going to end there. 
because as you grow and you, you pick those right people, because the culture that's going to form in your ministry will begin with who your initial leaders are. So selecting really well people who we would see as being faithful to their, their Catholic faith and living that dynamic, vibrant relationship mm-hmm. that we're talking with, who make themselves available to the people that need them, who are contagious. And what we mean by that is that people want to be around them. There's, they stir up a curiosity just by being together because there's something intriguing about them and that they're teachable, that they want to learn and they want to grow is is actually really that's the key and if you whether you're starting with one person like that or 10 people like that you can see a vibrant ministry grow out of that very quickly uh, because of spiritual multiplication but it's not so much the number that you begin with but having the right people in the room yeah to begin. So you're talking selection and you're using the yeah. model of fact yeah mm-hmm. by the way if you have any questions based on what we've been talking about you want clarification just uh email me at uh, podcast at cco.ca. I think it's uh, somewhere on screen for you to see. Um, but if you have any questions or comments on what we're saying, please feel free to send me an email. I, I would really appreciate that. Uh, but but fact is really important for selection. And we're mm-hmm. not going to talk too much about fact, but mm-hmm. selection is really, so really important. Yes. Yeah. Um, do you find, Amber, that... that uh, how do we usually select? Uh, you, know, you know, it's maybe not always fact selection, but it might be yeah. availability. Yeah, I think availability is usually the biggest. Uh, mm-hmm. The biggest key is looking at okay, who isn't tapped out by other ministries? Who isn't already like engaged in ten other things? Um, who or who is engaged in ten other things? Yeah, because they're them. the ones yeah. that are going to say yes. Yeah, <laughs> oh, it's just the reality. Um, but I think rarely do we do we consider the the contagious factor or the faithful factor um those are those are the factors that i think are often overlooked we're yeah. just like oh you're you have two feet in a heartbeat we're ready to go you know <laughs> so. um you're just talking about oklahoma city um we have uh um somebody uh, ann cook who's doing some amazing work at her parish there but we taught we talk a lot about uh, the selection mm-hmm. of fact and the way she selects one is that she she prays and asks mm-hmm. the Holy Spirit to place people in her heart. But mm-hmm. she actually goes after because she wants to build a movement. And she thought, okay, I'm going to start small. I'm going to select the first three to five people, and they're going to be the best people. But she goes after the ones that are not involved in everything else. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But she knows, uh, you know, she's had, she has a, a little bit of a relationship with them. She knows that there's a great potential there, Yeah, that they're fact. And so she goes and talks to them and says, hey, would you like to, to get involved? Um, often there, there's real fact people out there that have never been asked. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't know how to start. And so, so selection is really important. Mm-hmm. And probably selection of those people that, mm-hmm. that maybe aren't involved, but they, sure. they, you see mm-hmm. fact yeah. in them. I mean, I think back to a couple of moments ago, Dennis was sharing, just looking at Jesus's example, right? And mm-hmm. Jesus didn't tap those who were religious leaders, right? He tapped those who were fishermen and who were, yeah. you know, tax collectors. He tapped those who were the least likely in a lot of ways. Um, but he invited them to come to follow him and he invested in those relationships. He walked with them for three years. He really invested a lot laying his life down and journeying with them over the course of, of not just a short period of time either. And I think sometimes in our our 
society today, we're always looking for the quick fix, right? So we think about running a program and we hope that six weeks later or 12 weeks later, we're going to see these great leaders emerge. And sometimes that happens because the Holy Spirit does amazing mm -hmm. things in a short period mm -hmm. of time. And it's beautiful to see when someone experiences that quick conversion. And, you know, we, we so often see the examples in scriptures of those who experience conversion becoming great missionaries very quickly, right? You think about the woman at the well mm -hmm. who has this encounter with Jesus and immediately as she goes back to her community, she begins to proclaim the gospel. But I think we also need to acknowledge that when we look at Jesus's model, it was a three-year process, right? He didn't he didn't expect that those men were ready to lead the church mm -hmm. a week after he met them or six weeks after he met them. He really walked with them for a long period of time. And so we need to ask ourselves as well as we're thinking about journeying with people and accompanying them one person at a time, how, how much am I willing to give? Am I willing to really sacrifice? Am I willing to lay my life down? Am I willing to invest in relationship with this person for the long haul? Mm -hmm. Not just to be here to lead a Bible study for six weeks and then to kind of pull the plug and say like, okay, well, I, I did my, my due diligence and I took them through that faith study, but to actually get in the, the messiness of people's lives and to be willing to, to go there with people it takes a lot of courage and it's, it's radically different than what our culture is used to. You know, yes. would, would you, um, uh, just listening to it, so many thoughts going in my mind, but um, uh, it's almost a, the, the mode of operation has been event-based kind of yeah. approach yeah, to totally. let's let's have our parish mission, which by the way, events are really important, but let's, yeah. let's you know, have a, you know, a speaker come in and get people to come and that will cause kind of some, some activity in the parish, which is good. We need to continue that. But what you're suggesting is actually think a lot smaller yeah. in order to mm -hmm. get a lot bigger. And that is to invest in people, you know, a small group of people, mm -hmm. um, like three, four people, and then accompany them. Don't just gather them and then report back in a year from now, yeah. but actually yes. almost you know, like these are the people, these are like, we're playing the role of Jesus here. <laughs> we're walking with these people for mm -hmm. as long as yeah. we can in order to equip them that they would become the leaders of a small yeah. group, a band of people, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, so that's, that's kind of what that's, you're, what you're That's how multiplication works, right? Yeah. We, we, we talk about spiritual multiplication and wanting to see that ripple effect happen. And that's that's how it happens. It's when we invest in that small group of people that we, we proclaim the gospel, we equip them, and then we commission them to go out and to do that again with others. And that's how we see mm -hmm. the mm -hmm. multiplication. Would you, Dennis, would you see that actually happening? You know, like this small group of people, just an ordinary Catholic person trying to start something and parish it throughout what you've been working, parish it throughout North America. Mm -hmm. uh, would you say that that model works at just the ordinary person, not the professional position, can actually start small in order to multiply and grow the amount of people so we can actually change culture in a parish eventually. Are you seeing Absolutely. that model work? Absolutely. It's, it's incredible actually to see it work because it like the reason we keep going back to bringing this into what, how Jesus did his ministry is we're trying to live the ministry that Jesus did. And we see that there's a reason he did it that way. It's effective. We see these small groups over the course of a year not only more than double, sometimes even triple in size as these leaders begin to bring out other leaders. And I think the incredible thing that what we're proposing is, is that 
when you're you do commission them, but like it's not like a commission of now like I shove you out and and that's it. It's actually like w- we're talking about journeying with them through their leadership and continuing to accompany them in that process. And I think that that's something that is really motivating to people because one of the biggest challenges is that we feel like when we step into leadership, we're on our own. But actually, what we're saying is is that it is effective because we continue the process of journey because we know that we're not perfected by stepping into leadership, but actually as we step into leadership, Christ draws us deeper through the process of perfecting us. So again, I just want to stress, so you're not, our leaders aren't, uh, although we do have leaders that put on events, but we're inviting leaders actually to lead others Mm -hmm. in order to make them multiply yeah. them as leaders. Yes. So yeah. we're building actually capacity of leaders. Sure. Cultural, yes. uh, missionary cultured missionaries in a parish. Mm-hmm. You know, it might start, they say all you need is like 11% of your community body and it'll bring about transformation of the, the whole momentum. culture, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so we just have to raise up a small group of of. Yeah, and again, it's not to say that that events are bad or that the programs that we have in the church are bad because we have a lot of really powerful tools at our disposal, events that can help foster Mm -hmm. that encounter with Jesus, that can help to reinforce this missionary culture in a parish. But events and programs in and of themselves without the intentional accompaniment of people are not producing the results that we want to see. Yeah, yeah. So what, what I'm hearing is, okay... Again, these are hard things to maybe hear, um, but our pa- culture, missionary culture in a parish, it's uh, it, it, we have to move away from just about the people, the congregation, and move make it about the lost. And the lost could actually be in our parish, certainly boundaries. Yeah. I mean, within our communities or within our pews, even. yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> honestly, or you know, in the yeah. neighborhood. Yeah. So that that is, you know, we have to move from there. Then once we once we focus in on those people, we have to recognize that we have to think small in order to get mm-hmm. be big, you know. Um, and that means it's about people. But at at that level, we're suggesting don't make the focus on catechesis at first, but yeah. evangelical message. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, really important. Um, but once we, we start small, you know, and we have to make sure that if we really want a growing movement, selection is really important. We have to select mm-hmm. the right people. Go to the people that aren't as involved, but they actually are fact, contagious, you know, really mm-hmm. attractive people. And build from them and multiply them. But we don't just, you know, just invite them uh, to leadership and then walk away. But you're saying that we actually have to journey with them, mm-hmm. really yes. alongside them. And, you know, uh, with the with this model, we feel that, and our experience is that we build capacity of leaders mm-hmm. um, that will bring about transformation of the parish culture. Yeah. Uh, I know that you're listening to this, and I hope you're inspired by um, you know the discussion, what we've kind of learned today. But you might have more questions, especially as we're talking about accompaniment and you know how do you share the the, the simple evangelical message. Uh, or you just might want to ask, you know, Amber and Dennis, uh, you know, what they're doing and how they're doing it. If you have any questions, um, please send me an email. You just have to go to podcast at cco.ca. Uh, get, leave your comments. You know, just um, have any questions. Feel free to to send them to me, and I'll I'll direct them to to Amber or Dennis, um, and help you do what what you 
really at the, at the heart uh, uh, that you want to accomplish, and that is to bring people back, to Jesus back into the church. And by the way, um, you can do it one person at a time. You can start just you. Um, you don't need to be part of a big movement. You can actually just start by yourself. Um, so know that and be confident that the Holy Spirit will always be with you. Again, thank you very much, Amber. Thank you very much, Dennis. Um, I hope to have you back someday. Um, hope to see you next week. God bless. Thanks for joining us today. If you have any questions, comments, queries, quandaries, conundrums, or otherwise, please email us at podcast at cco.ca. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please rate and review us and subscribe, share us with your friends. Until next time, God bless.